It's the 29th of October, 2022. So this time now, um, this period, it's the period of the Katina season um, that lasts for the month um, after the end of the monastic rains retreat until the 15th day of the 12th lunar month. And then on that day, in Thailand, they have the Rogotong festival. And so in the Vinaya, the Buddha um, decreed that if there were five monks that spent the rains together in the one monastery, then they are able to receive a katina cloth. In the faithful laity who have faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, they have this good opportunity to create goodness. And this opportunity lasts for just one month during the space of the year. But some people go to participate in many of these ceremonies during that month in many different monasteries in line with the faith that they have supporting the Buddha Sasana so that it stays for a long time. And this is a very meritorious thing to do. And they take white cloth and offer it to the monastic Sangha, who then takes that cloth and cuts it, sews it and dyes it, turning it into a robe. And then the monks have this opportunity to change their robes uh, that they're using because they may have been using it for a long time and their robes may be ripped or may have worn thin. And so this is kind of the main idea of the Katina ceremony. Uh, but there are also other ways that lay people create merit Perhaps they offer funds for the monks to travel to these ceremonies and other um, offerings during this time as well. But the main point of it is for the monks to change one of their robes or maybe all three of their robes. In this modern time, there may be some changes uh, to that have taken place, but this is for the sake of allowing people to create goodness and skillful deeds. So for the monks, once they um, perform the katina ceremony correctly, and then they get the katina privileges. But in this tradition, we turn down those uh, privileges and we practice following the vinaya as we had before. So having received these offerings, the monks don't have any anxiety with regards to requisites. And so they have this opportunity to practice. And this is very important, this meditation, bringing the mind to peace. Because by bringing the mind to peace, we're also protecting the mind so that it doesn't run following all of these aramanas, all of the things that come into the mind. Having been aware, receiving these sense impressions, and then greed, hatred, and delusion arises. 
And if we don't train our minds, then we'll always fall into these, into greed, hatred, and delusion, without our being aware of that happening. And just carries on going, following that greed, or that hatred, or that delusion, until that state ceases. But then another just comes up in its place. And it's like that right from the time that we were born. And we never even consider to prevent this from happening. So it's like with our bodies. These bodies are lokani tang, and they are a nest of illness. And so many different kinds of sicknesses, illnesses arise within these bodies. And when we get ill, then we see a doctor. We fall ill with some other disease, then we go to see the doctor again. And there are many different kinds of diseases, and so many different kinds of medicine to cure those. But if we don't take preventative measures, um, then we just get these illnesses over and over. And perhaps we get diabetes, or heart disease, or high blood pressure. And if we don't um, take measures to prevent this, then even though we may take medicine to cure one, then we just get another kind of illness. And maybe that will cause our death. So if we have wisdom, then we'll see that <clears throat> we need to <clears throat> protect our bodies. We need to prevent this from happening so that we don't fall ill in the first place. And so we need to be cautious about what we eat, about the way that we live our lives day by day, making sure we get enough exercise, enough sleep. And if we don't do that, um, then it's normal that the body will fall ill. So for our minds, if we don't take preventative measures um, to protect our minds, then they'll just be chaotic. So this development of mindfulness, this recollection, and of uh, sampajanya, this clear knowing, and having this right mindfulness, samma sati, this is protection for the mind. It's like if there's a very heavy rainfall and we don't have any dam, then that will go and cause a lot of flooding. But if there is a dam that's there, um, then that can retain um, that water. And if it fills past its capacity, um, then the people in control can uh, release that water um, bit by bit so that it doesn't cause damage and confusion and pain. But if there's no dam that's there, then that um, heavy rainfall can cause a lot of flooding, can flood how, uh, towns and villages and cities. So having this mindfulness, this recollection, sampajanya, this clear awareness, um, this is the dam to protect our minds. So it doesn't allow these aramanas, sense impressions, into the heart. They don't flood over the heart.
So we need to be cautious around that and maintain our mindfulness. This recollection, sampajanya, this um, comprehensive awareness. And these are two dhammas, two qualities that are very important. The more we have of them, the better. So sometimes there's samadhi, this collectedness that arises. And within that, there's joy and this happiness in the heart, and the mind becomes peaceful. But if we don't have mindfulness there, then we may be heedless around that, and perhaps understand that this samadhi is magapala or nibbana, the past, the fruits, or even nibbana. Or we can get conceited due to that samadhi, thinking that my samadhi is better than other people's, and our ego, the sense of self, can grow. But really what we're practicing for is to abandon, to let go of this sense of self. But when we gain good things, our samadhi is good, then it's possible to be deluded by that, to get lost in that. And that's if we don't have this sati and sampajanya. And so even though we may gain these states of joy, of happiness, then we should have sati, sampajanya, to know what the mind is like. And we also need wisdom there as well, being aware that these states are unstable, they're not sure. Because all of the things in this world are like that, the external things are that way. And so when we gain these things, then we need to contemplate them as well and know what they're equal to. So just like how we've all studied that two times two is equal to four, and two times four is equal to eight, two times eight is equal to sixteen. So when we gain something, what is that equivalent to? What's that equal to? It's equal to losing. And these, this gain and loss comes in pairs. So like having been born into this body, what we gain is life and from that birth. But what we get next is loss. In that we gain aging, we gain sickness, and we gain death as well. And so birth is equal to old age, sickness, and death. And even though we may gain physical things, we should see that this is also equal to loss. Meeting with others is equal to being separated from others. And none of this lasts for long. And... We may get born into a higher realm as a deva or a brahma with high levels of happiness. But we don't really gain that in that all of those things have to end. They will have to run out. So we need to contemplate all of these things and seeing how they are not sure. All of the things that we have, all of the things that we are, 
are not sure. And this body too, this conditioned thing, it has to break apart, it has to deteriorate. And it's always doing that following its causes and conditions. It doesn't last, it's not stable. So before it breaks apart, we should have the mindfulness to contemplate and to study and to gain understanding. Living in this world, we can't be freed from the worldly dhammas. So we should contemplate and understand those. And like this body, for instance, gaining this body, if we don't have wisdom, it can be a cause of suffering. Because along with that, we gain aging and sickness and deterioration as well. And these are things that probably no one desires. But it happens. It's always going that way, following causes and conditions. So this is something that as monks we contemplate. Contemplate into this body, how it's made up of natural elements. And all of the food that it consumes, and the robes and dwellings and medicines that we use to support these bodies, um, they too are elements, natural elements, always going according to causes and conditions. So we should have the wisdom there and the mindfulness there to know all of these things for what they are. And however much we know them for what they are, the suffering that we experience will be less to that degree. So we need to work to prevent the suffering from arising in our hearts. And to do that, we need a lot of mindfulness. We need to be mindful um, based in the body, in the feelings, in the mind, and the Dhamma. Along with the foundation of generosity and virtue. And so the Buddhist lay people are already very good at being generous, at giving. And then those practitioners um, are able to be sincere in keeping the precepts whether the five precepts or the eight precepts. And then we meditate, cultivating samadhi. And some people are really intent on this as well, really focused on developing samadhi. Even though they may have a lot of work to do, they don't toss out this practice of cultivating collected states. They really put their hearts into that and put effort into it as well. And being sincere and putting effort in that way, the end result is samadhi, a stable collectedness of mind. And then wisdom can arise here, seeing all things as being empty. All physical things, all mental phenomena are empty. There's no me, there's no other. And it's at that point of there being no being, no individual, no me, no you. This is where we meet emptiness. So we should contemplate right here, this very heart of the teachings of the Buddha. Or as Venerable Ajahn Chah put it, that we let go of the sense of self. Because this life, it's not sure. 
And that's true for both monastics and for the laity. When are we going to die? We don't know. From what illness will we die? We don't know. Where are we going to die? We don't know. Sometimes foreigners come to Thailand and die here. Sometimes Thai people go overseas and die there. We may die in the water, we may die in the air. But we don't know. We don't know how we're going to die. But what we do know is that we need to die. And so if we see that with clarity, then we'll gain the feeling that we need to sober up and cut off this intoxication with sense impressions. And if greed, hatred and delusion comes up with great strength, then Ajahn Chah taught us to contemplate death. I'm going to die, so why be greedy? Why get averse if I have to die? Why get deluded if I need to die? What's the point? And we just carry on doing this, carry on practicing in this way until our minds gain peace and then we gain wisdom and we see the Dhamma and enter into em- into emptiness. So when we say that the Buddha was pure, his mind was pure, that means is that his mind was empty from all of the defilements. And then he took the Dhamma that he discovered uh, to teach and taught the Sangha so that their minds became empty as well. So they became Savaka Buddhas, these awakened disciples. And it's in this very seeing of emptiness that we see the Dhamma. And so may all of you set your hearts on this.